unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. And we've got a very special and maybe confusing guest lined up for this week's episode. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And I've been waiting a long time for today's episode. So I'm going to I'm going to shut my mouth, play a fly on the wall and just enjoy what you've got lined up for the listeners today. Okay. So let me start by telling you that in the offices of the most successful direct marketers in the world, when a promo isn't making the money it should, you'll hear most people speak these three words, call David Deutsch, because he's the guy who can fix it. And he's our guest today. All told, David's promos have come close to pulling in $1 billion in sales. He's written for Agora and the company formerly known as Boardroom. It's now called Bottom Line Publications. David works with copy teams in the U.S. and around the world. He's the author of Million Dollar Marketing Secrets and Think Inside the Box, two books I'm proud to say I have on my most important bookshelf, the one closest to my computer. I'm also proud that David's a friend as well as a colleague. Today, He's going to talk about something you might never have thought had anything to do with copywriting. My goal by the end of today's show is for you to see how it has everything to do with copywriting. That topic is pitchmen from Billy Mays to Ron Popeil to the carnival barker at the county fair pitchmen and pitch women hold some secrets that make our copy better. And David knows more about them than you ever would imagine. But I do think you would imagine that I would say this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, You may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you, David. I'm doing great. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So let's dive right into this. We've got so much to cover. Let's start out with definitions. What are pitchmen? Well, pitchmen is anyone that pitches something in front of an audience. You know, it it goes back to, uh, you know, the uh, snake oil salesmen were kind of pitchmen. Um, It goes to, you know, as you say, Billy Mays, people on infomercials, people on Home Shopping Network, people that say, I think the best are people at state fairs um, where they're, you know, they've got this device they're selling or some kind of food that they're selling and they're trying to draw a crowd and get them to gather around and get them to reach into their pocket and spend money which, you know, is exactly what we do, but they're doing it live, you know, one-on-one. So they're just terribly exciting for me to, to kind of study and see what can be learned from them. Well, how did you find out about this in the first place? Well, um, my friend, uh, our friend, Joe Vitale. Yeah, you introduced uh, me to him. Thank you again. 
Oh, of course. Um, one day he said something about, you know, I've been studying pitchmen and, you know, reading about them and stuff like that and gave me a couple of books. And one thing I learned from Joe Vitale is when you read a book and there's a bibliography in the back, then you go read those books and then you go read. So you've got this infinite tree branching out. <laughs> but um, so I've read a couple of books about, you know, pitchmen, about, you know, traveling salesmen, people in the wagons that used to go around selling things. Um, I, I remember you showed me somebody's doctoral dissertation on pitchmen. Yeah, I was going to say someone actually wrote a PhD thesis about pitchmen. And that's where I learned a lot about them because she analyzed it from a very academic point of view. What they do, how do they use this? How do they use, you know, repetition, different techniques in common? Well, you know, your world is copy and copywriting and marketing. And so what was the thing that made you decide they were worth studying? Well, I think, you know, I kind of came from Ogilvy, right? So I had a very classy, classic kind of upbringing in advertising. Ogilvy was always very, um, you know, first-class business in a first-class way, they used to say. The copy was very erudite. Um and it wasn't hypey at all. And I think it kind of interested me that I felt like I sort of, I need a little bit of that pitchman mentality, a little bit of that you sell or you starve kind of attitude um, to, to getting attention, getting people to really reach into their wallets. So that, you know, that really, really interested me. I'm always interested in things that are far from my own experience and far from my own knowledge that's very cool um all right so let's let's dig in we we've had some talk beforehand obviously about uh you know how pitchmen what you learn and how it relates to copywriting and i've, I've got a few questions for you on that um, okay the the word engagement is very big in marketing today and i think it means something a little different than than what pitchmen do. Pitchmen have a very special way of engaging their audience. Could you tell us about a few things that they do? Maybe we could adapt to writing copy? Sure. You know, I think that's so important is you've got to get someone's attention, obviously. And I think that for a lot of people, they sort of assume attention. They sort of assume like, oh, I'm writing these words. These words will be read. Um, pitchmen can't assume that. They've got to jump up and down and get your attention. You're wandering around the state fair. You're flipping the channels. You know, they have got to, to bring you in. And we as copywriters have got to do that too. You know, we've got to find ways to kind of grab people by the, like, you know, grab someone by the collar and pull them in to what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of ways pitchmen do that. If you want, I can go into that. Oh, yeah, please. Okay. You know, one is to just, you know, get their attention, right? Step right up. If, you know, um, do something interesting, make a demonstration, um, show the thing chopping and dicing, be cooking food, be doing something that draws people in, say something that's curious, that, that it engenders curiosity. You know, um, in a moment, I'm going to show you, you know, the world's sharpest knife or, you know, anything that that just gets your attention by being unique and different you know they're, they're going to tell you what they're going to tell you 
you know, in a minute, I'm going to tell you, you know, I'm going to show you a way where you can magically, your knives will never be dull, or I'm going to show you a way where you can chop slice instantly. I'm going to show you something that'll relieve your arthritis pain. Um, They're always promising. They're always selling what's coming next. And that's certainly something as copywriters that we can emulate. I, I got to tell you, I, I felt my excitement level rise when, even though you were just giving an example, when you said you're going to show me the world's sharpest knife, I said, I want to see that. Yeah, real. Exciting. And we're always interested, I think, in extremes. The most, oh, what's the most? What's the Guinness Book of Records kind of? That's why that's so popular. What's the, the, the sharpest, the dullest? you know, the, the, you know, the biggest, the best. So can you talk about how pitchmen use words besides the, the extremes that you're talking about? Well, I think words are very interesting in terms of pitchmen because pitchmen seems like they're just making stuff up and talking, right? Mm -hmm. But they are very careful about the words that they choose. Very careful about, because they have found from their experience, they're like constantly testing, right? They say one word, maybe it gets a little bit of a reaction, but they say another word and it gets an even bigger reaction. Um, so then they'll start using that word. So over time, over the months, their pitch has been finally honed using exactly the right words. And it's, it's the difference, you know, between like, if you say, oh, you should come and eat at our, you know, great restaurant. Or if I say to you, you should come and dine at our you know, great restaurant, you know, oh, dining conjures up all these different images in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. And copy is nothing but words, right? And if every word is a little bit better, a little bit more sharply defined, like dine, and conjures up images in, in, the, in the listener's mind, then the copy is going to be so much more powerful. And if nothing else, pitchmen are constantly conjuring up images in their mind. You know, one one example I love, and it, it may be from that Pitchman uh, PhD thesis, I'm not sure, but, you know, like um, sideshow barkers are always like, you know, oh, step right up. And how do they make it interesting what you're going to see inside, right? They do that by incredible detail. They don't just say, for instance, you know, oh, you're going to see a guy inside, he puts nails up his nose. But they'll say something like, you know, inside, screwy Louie, the human blockhead, drives 20-pound nails into his head with a hammer. So now you see that picture and you're like, yeah, yeah I got to go inside and see this now. That's uh, really good. Your voice has been quite interesting as, as you're talking about them. One thing also you mentioned before we started the show is pitchmen use their voices almost like a musical instrument. Um, they vary the tone, the pacing, the timbre, the, I don't know, other things, I guess. Um, what, what did you find out about the way pitchmen use their voices? Well, I think that pitchmen use their voices to do the things that we're talking about, like to, the engagement, right? How do you engage someone? How do you get someone's attention? You get someone's attention by your enthusiasm, just like I got your attention because I got excited, right? I'm normally not a very excitable person, but I, I get excited talking about Screwy Louie, the human blockhead. Yep. Um, and that copy of, obviously, when you're writing a VSL, you can get the narrator be excited. But even when you're writing copy that's not meant to be read, if you're excited on the inside, 
your copy will reflect that if you let it. And that's just so important because copy can shout, copy can whisper. You know, when, when, a, when a pitchman starts to whisper, you know, it's like he's telling you, he's got a secret and he's sharing it with you, you know, and you're like, you're drawn in by that. And that's how copy has to be. It has to shout, it has to whisper, it has to have that, that variety that keeps people interested. Um, the other, I think, aspect of voice, which is kind of overlaps with words a little bit, is that idea of all those interesting things pitchmen do, like with rhyme, right? It slices, it dices. That's much more interesting than it cuts stuff up into small pieces and it, 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 it you know, carves them into very thin slices of stuff, right? It slices, it dices. Oh, that's exciting. I'm kind of, I'm almost a little hypnotized by that, right? It's bigger, it's better, it's a bargain. Ooh, all that, that alliteration kind of has a hypnotic effect on me. Um, and we can do that in our copy. It's little things like that that make our copy more interesting and keep people engaged in it. Because, you know, you see nowadays, all people want, I mean, not all what they want, but people want what's interesting, right? They're attracted to clickbait. They're attracted to things that are interesting to them. And attention span be damned, when people are interested, they'll watch 24 hours of Game of Thrones in a, in a row. Right. Well, yeah, what happened to that ADD they were so proudly wearing on their sleeve? Huh? Right. Okay. Um, so sort of along these lines, you, you mentioned that pitchmen depend heavily on demonstration. And I remember you used a written demonstration. Essentially, you were creating demonstration with words on a page in a very colorful way with your famous Wyland Sisters promo for Boardroom, mm -hmm. formerly known as Boardroom. And it is something about putting shoes in a freezer. Could you talk yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's funny, isn't it? How something like that is memorable. You remember yeah. it because it's a, it's a startling image. But, you know... A lot of people think, oh, demos. Well, I can't really do a demo. We're not doing video. Uh, it's not an infomercial. There's no demo I can do. But, you know, it's not true. You can also do demos with words. Um, and this is the section I think you're referring to. Um, it's part of a program, uh, a magalog of household hints, different right. things that you can do to do things around the house easier, better, faster, cheaper. And this kind of was in the form of a a letter from someone to the Wyland sisters writing. And, and 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 these women like they had OCD about cleaning, but in a joyful way, right? I mean, they were insane about cleaning. It wasn't like an occasional thing. It was like their lives. Right. They were they were insane. I would say they were insane about shortcuts when okay. it comes to cleaning. And okay. you know, like that kind of thing about, you know. If your toilet is clogged, pour in dishwasher liquid and that will, you know, dissolve what's clogging your toilet. Or if you get a stain on your carpet, baking soda will kind of, you know, will get it out of there. Hmm. And, um, you know, people love that stuff. I do, mean, I, do, you, do you have the passage um, which includes the shoes that you could read to us? Yes, I do. I just happen to have it right here. Uh, so as I say, this is kind of written as a letter to the Wylands in the, in the promo, um, which if I do say so myself, I thought was a very clever conceit. Um, so 
So it goes, my husband thought I was crazy when I went in this kind of the headline. My husband thought I was crazy when he found his new shoes in the freezer until he tried them on again. Dear Joan and Lydia, my husband couldn't believe it when he found his new Italian loafers in the freezer, but he had bought them on sale and they turned out to be way too tight and really hurt his feet. I explained that I was just following your advice. Put a plastic bag in each shoe, push it all the way to the toe, fill it with water and tie it off. Put each shoe in a plastic bag in the freezer for 24 hours. He just laughed at his shoesicles. But I had the last laugh. It worked just like you said. The ice slowly expanded, gently and evenly stretching each shoe a half to one full shoe size. Hey, got any more good news for shoes? Signed, Gloating in Galveston. Those women are household geniuses. Definitely. <laughs> very, very, very cool. Um, so, David... We've all been beaten to death with advice from everyone to tell our own stories. But pitchmen have perfected this. And you've taken a page from their book with your own story, right? Can you tell us about that? I'd be glad to. You know, if, if you listen to pitchmen, I think one of the things that draws you into it is their personality, their, and, and not only their personality, like how they act, they're funny, they're, they're shouty like Billy May or whatever, but they bring themselves into it, right? They bring their own life story into it. Well, when I was a young lad, you know, I had this same problem or, you know, they, you know, like my wife doesn't like it either when this happens, that, that those little personal touches are, and I think ultimately, as you know, as you teach, stories are what we're ultimately interested in. So the more you tell your story, the more you bring your story into it, the more people are drawn into it. And, um, you know, I, part of my story has always been how I worked at a New York, you know, big New York ad agency and kind of got disillusioned with the lack of accountability and the, you know, going after awards and was so, was, you know, kind of got, became a born again, direct response. Uh, uh, follower. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's kind of how I incorporate story. Now, there's no truth to the rumor, but I just want to do this on, on the record, that the, the lead character, the John Hamm character in Mad Men was modeled after you, right? No, no truth to that whatsoever. Okay. Even though we're both good looking. Oh, yes. Th thank you for mentioning that. Um, Finally, closing off all the exits when you're closing the sale. What's the pitchman secret there? How do they do that and how can we use that? Yeah, you know, I love that, that, that whole idea of closing off the exits because that's what pitchmen literally try to do, you know? And if they could, they'd probably put a board over the exits or bar the exits or something like that. But instead, they do that in other ways. They, they bar the exit because they make it that you don't love your family unless you buy this, you know, this product that I'm selling that's going to make better, more nutritious food for them. Um, you don't care about your own nutrition and your own health if you don't buy it. Um, you and, and also, if you're thinking of these other ways to do it, 
then that's not good because for this reason, those are so bad, right? You know, for this reason, it's not going to work. You know, you, can, you can't take a knife and chop it. You need this machine to chop it. Um, so they keep closing off the alternatives, not just the competition, but also doing nothing. And, and it so- sounds like they're closing them off very heavy-handedly with um, emotional manipulation and blackmail. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would put it a little more nicely than that. Okay. But, you know, I think that they're closing off the exits by kind of taking you a little bit into the future in a way, because the truth is, if you don't do this, you're probably going to regret it, right? If you do mm-hmm. this, you may well get sick, you know, and, and not be as nutritious. You, know, you, you were just being hyperbolic to make a point. I was just right. I was just being a little bit hyperbolic to make a point because I, the the thing is you don't want to, you don't want to sound like a pitchman in a way, right? You don't Mm want to write like a, you know, set right up book. Yes. It's the greatness. It's the, you know, this, but you want to kind of have the heart of a pitchman, if that makes sense. You know, like that expression think, you know, uh, you know, act British, think Yiddish. I'm not sure everyone will understand that. So could you explain it? Well, I guess, you know, think, you know, when you say act British, it's like, well, have that level of sophistication as you go through life, right? Have that classiness and everything, but also have the, the, the cunning and cleverness of Yiddishness, you know, the, the humor, the, 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 the ability to, you know, um, I, I guess it's really just cleverness, you know? But, you know, you want to you want to have that British veneer. And it's the same thing as a as a um, as a writer. You want to kind of, you know, I don't know what the equivalent would be, you know, like act rich, think pitch or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to have a veneer of not being a hypey salesperson, but you want to incorporate some of these techniques underneath. You want to have that enthusiasm. You want to have that same my life depends on, you know, these people reaching into their pockets and giving me money, right? Because the pitchman doesn't eat if people don't reach into their pockets and give them and give them money. No, I think that's a really good point. You've, you've got to understand that, you know, copy is not a joke. It's, it's a lifeline. It's a, it's a way of making a living. And, and if you're a copywriter, it's not just your living, it's other people's living. So it's a, and that's it's, a good point. It's easy to forget when you're sitting in front of a typewriter or whatever we sit in front of, right? That there's a sale thing going involved, that people's livelihoods depend on it, that my livelihood depends on it. I've already gotten my, my fee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're a pitchman, you can't forget. You're looking at those people, right? You're, yep. you're watching them walk away, right? You're watching money leaving the audience. If you're selling on, you know, Home Shopping Network, you're watching the counter of orders, right? As this is happening, you're watching how many people are, you know, are viewing in real time. I, I had a friend who, who lived in Hollywood Hills and he knew a bunch of people who, who worked on Home Shopping Network. They wouldn't do much except get in a plane and go to Minneapolis and then and come home with their pockets full of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that that closeness to where the rubber hits the road, you know, that experience mm-hmm. of sell. That's why the best training for a copywriter really is to go work in a telemarketing center, go sell used cars, go, you know, 
go sell something door to door. Um, because you see people's reaction. You see where people get bored. And if you can't do that, I think the best thing is when you're tasked with writing something about a product, take that product and try to sell it to people. I mean, not literally like, hey, would you buy this? But, you know, hey, I'm working on something kind of interesting. You know, it's this thing that, you know, it slices and it dices and it, you know, chops up things. And what do people say? Do they say, oh, I don't want that crap, you know, you know. So, well, how do you convince them it's not crap? How do you how do you get them interested? What makes their eyes light up? What makes them roll their eyes? Well, this is very interesting because we're going to be talking about this on our next episode. And I'm, I'm framing the episode as you know, getting stories from people you never thought you'd get stories from, but it's really what you're talking about. It's really about talking to people. Even though you're a writer, you don't get to hide in that little, you know, imaginary bubble between you and your keyboard. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you do if you want, but if you want to be really successful, you should probably go talk to people and pay close attention to their reaction. Yes. Well, you know, that thing about Halbert, right? You know, Halbert was famous for, he, he wouldn't seem to be working on an ad for like two weeks, right? All he would be doing is going out and talking to people and hanging out in bars, but he was hanging out in bars and talking to people about the product. He was, yeah. you know, he was testing out pitches constantly. Um, and I, I think people don't do nearly enough of that. I agree. I agree. So, um, boy, this is, this is great more than I expected, but I'm very, not, not surprised, just shocked as they say. But I, I want to bring up something else. I understand you have something new called copywriting from A to Z. I want to know, what is it and how much does it cost? <laughs> well, it's a report that I did that I actually give away for free. No strings, no obligation. Yes, folks, step right up. It's absolutely free. And uh, people can get it just by going to my website and signing up for it. Um, and it's, uh, should I give the website? Yeah, give the website. Okay. It's uh, uh, davidldeutsch.com. So okay. D-A-V-I-D-L-D-E-U-T-S-C-H.com. That's great. And uh, we'll put that in the show notes too, so everyone can see it on <laughs> copywriterspodcast.com and YouTube. I can barely spell Deutsch, so that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> I have one question before we're out of here, uh, Double D. Yeah. And that is something that I didn't hear you guys mention throughout this episode, but I think is relevant and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, speaking, speaking from the stage and selling from the stage seems to be the next or one of the next evolutionary steps of the pitchman. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, that's certainly the modern version in a way and the closest thing that we may get to experience that is you know selling from the stage and you know it's the same thing it's really uh the same principles of how do you keep that crowd's attention how do you start that stampede to the back of the room or get them to fill out those order cards um how do you close off all those exits um i i, I think a lot of these principles apply to that obviously and i think it would i think it's a for copywriters I think they should try to get that experience if they can. Just like I think all copywriters should sell something, you know, just to have that experience of watching orders come in and seeing what works and, and what doesn't and getting that hands-on kind of feel. 
Awesome. You know, I remember once long time ago, I worked in the home appliances department of Bloomingdale's. I was selling um, cuisine arts. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I became the best, the highest, I had the highest sales of anyone there. But then I got bored. I said, okay, I've done that. Now what? Mm-hmm. And so I think being a copywriter is probably better than being a cuisine art salesman for the rest of my life. A little more variety. Interesting. You feel like you learn things from doing that, though, that you now incorporate in copywriting in terms of talk, talking about benefits and not features or whatever the... Uh... I, I feel, I feel like it. I, I can't remember anything I consciously did, but I was probably doing the same thing that you describe a pitch man does, maybe more deliberately and, and more consciously. Uh, I, would, I would try all kinds of stuff, and when something worked, I, I'd repeat it. Yeah. The, the, the potential for someone walking away from you is so powerful an experience because you learn what keeps them there, right? And and it's like instant testing. If I say this, they walk away. If I say this, they don't walk away at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, in a way, uh, I mean, having a sales job is good, but having a a job where you're pitching and you get a yes or a no, this sort of one one call close kind of thing, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, in the home or in business or in a store or a county fair, sounds like the best kind of experience of all. Yeah, definitely. I think people concentrate a little too much on writing when they're copywriters and not enough on the things that make you able to say the things that you need to say. The writing of them is not so important. All right, David, David, both of you, thank you so much for a a very... Wait, which, which David did you mean? Yeah. Was the first David me or was the second David me? <laughs> okay, now I'm confused. Thank you very much, both of you, for the call. David Deutsch, where again can people go to check out your website? Uh, it's uh, www.davidldeutsch.com. Awesome. And until next time, if you want to get more episodes of this podcast, you want to head over to copywriterspodcast.com and we will catch you later. See you later. All right. Thanks, guys. If you found this episode valuable, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. That way you'll never miss a show. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.